the Holy Family go into the temple and Jesus is presented. Now, Dom Guerinjay holds that Simeon was the priest, was actually the priest who uh, received Christ and received the Holy Family in the in the um, ritual of of uh, this presentation. Um, that's not something that all commentators say. Not all of them think that he was the priest. We know that he was given uh, to know by the Holy Ghost to enter into the temple uh, so that he could um, see uh, our Lord. So let me just let the, the St. Luke uh, tell the story from here on out. I think he'll do a better job than I. Uh, so this is Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was in him. This is high praise. I mean, (laughs) you may have read this like dozens of times, but think about it. I mean, when the the Holy Scriptures say the Holy Ghost was in him about somebody, this this is telling us that this is a very holy man. And he had received an answer from the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. Think about that, right? This old man, um, he's a symbol of Israel. Israel's getting old now. And here he is being assured. All of the hopes of Israel have been that the Messiah would come, the Messiah would be born, um, we will be redeemed, we will be delivered, we will be saved. Um, all of these hopes since the very fall uh, of our first parents. And this is what Israel existed for. This is what these holy people were there for, to prepare for the coming of the Savior of the world. And he got an answer from the Holy Ghost that he would not see death until he had seen this. So the very hope of Israel is going to be fulfilled in his lifetime, and he knows it. What a grace. So he had received an answer from the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. So that's where, that's where I said we know that the Holy Ghost told him to come into the temple, which makes me assume that he was not the priest on duty that day um, to, to, to receive such um, um, offerings as he would have received in, in this ritual uh, b- because he was drawn by the Holy Ghost to see the Savior of the world. so he, And he received an answer from the Holy Ghost, and he came into the, uh, by the Spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he also took him into his arms and blessed God and said. Now, what follows is the very brief canticle that St. Luke gives us, um, the canticle of Simeon, it's called, the Nunc Dimitis. Now thou dost dismiss thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word in peace, because my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to the revelation of the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. Thus ends Simeon's words. And his father and mother were wondering at those things which were spoken concerning him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother. By the way, this is why we can presume that even if he wasn't the priest on duty, he was a priest because he blessed them. Uh, Behold, this child is set for the fall and for the resurrection of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be contradicted. And thy own soul a sword shall pierce that out of many hearts thoughts may be revealed. Now, we'll leave it off there from the gospel, but that is um, 
very profound double message that he gets uh, to Our Lady. Uh, this Keep in mind, this is the fourth joyful mystery, but it's also the first sorrow uh, because Our Lady is told now here about her soul being pierced uh, that out of many hearts thoughts may be revealed. And those hearts are, I hope, ours because our 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 hearts are supposed to be thinking on these things. Now, the office for Matins for this Feast of the Presentation is um, has in it, in its second nocturne, this is an office of three nocturnes, um, so uh, it's the longest it can be um, because of the high-ranking class of the, of the feast. The office has in that second nocturne, a sermon of St. Augustine of Hippo. And that sermon actually inspires um, the liturgy elsewhere. Uh, in this particular as- excerpt that I'm going to read for you, he speaks of the Holy Simeon, this old man. And the word that St. Augustine uses for old man is the word senex, which, yeah, it means old man in, in Latin. By the way, we get the word senator from the word senex. Senator is actually a Latin word, but it comes from senex. So the the senators were supposed to have been old men. They were supposed to have been, you know, venerable old men. Now, here is St. Augustine uh, preaching to his people. Speaking about Simeon, he says, he lingered in the world to see the birth of him who made the world. The old man knew the child, and in that child, became a child himself. For in the love wherewith he regarded the father of all, he felt his own years to be but as of yesterday. The old man Simeon bore the newborn Christ, and all the while Christ was the old man's Lord. It had been told him by the Lord that he should not taste of death before he had seen the birth of the Lord's Christ. Now Christ is born, and the old man's wishes on earth are fulfilled. He that came to a decrepit world came to an old man. Uh, I mean, that this is St. Augustine at his best. I mean, this, <laughs> he, the, the, all, of the, all of the high art of Roman rhetoric um, united to the gospel here, and you get this powerful sermon. He that came into a decrepit world came to an old man. So Simeon is, is a sign of the world, the world grown old. Um, and it's all, he's also a sign, especially of his own people, of Israel. Israel has grown old, and now Christ comes to give, give hope. And, um, and the old man um, picks up the Christ who is, in fact, ruling over him at that very moment. Now, in the um, Office of Matins also, there's a beautiful responsory that occurs. Senex puerum portabat, puer autem senem regebat, uh, which uh, I translate rather uh, freely. The old man carried the child, but the child ruled the old man. Now, that word regebat, yeah, it's it's related to rex regis, right, king, but it's the, it's a it's a verb and it means ruled it means governed it means directed there's a whole host of meanings to it but uh so the old man is carrying the child but at that very moment he's 
the, the old man is being ruled by the child. So there's a sort of inversion of the immediate impression that you get in this picture of an old man holding a child. It's, it's a very beautiful image. I remember one year particularly, um, it, it, this burned, it burned a hole in my, in my brain thinking about this gorgeous image of a very old man holding the, 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 the beautiful Christ child and saying, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And why, why is he saying that? Because he's looking at the Savior of the world. He didn't say, my eyes have seen the, the, uh, the Savior, but my eyes have seen thy salvation because God's salvation comes into the world as this baby, as this child. So uh, it is often said that Christmas is a time of hope. And and hope, of course, is something that old people often need. Um, and there's a, I think I've spoken of it before, I can't recall exactly, uh, but hey, repetitios matter studiorum. So if I've, I've said it before, it's okay, you can you can hear it again. Uh, um, I, I actually need to hear this stuff over and over again. St. Thomas points out, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll quote Joseph Pieper speaking of this, but I'll kind of set it up a little bit. St. Thomas Aquinas points out that hope uh, tends to wane in the old. Natural hope, not the virtue of hope, natural hope. Now, um, hope is not a virtue unless it's a theological virtue. There is no natural virtue of hope. Naturally speaking, hope is what we call a passion, uh, it's an emotion, it's an appetite, but hope, hope, naturally speaking, does not exist as a virtue. Uh, there are reasons for this, because, of course, for something to be a virtue, it has to be, uh, it has to tend only to the good. Huh? Justice, uh, Dr. People will point out, is a virtue. It's always a virtue, even if it's just a natural virtue, because the moment it stops orienting us towards the good, it stops being justice. Hope, on the other hand, can orient us towards something evil. We can have hopes in something evil. So, uh, for very important reasons, hope does not exist as a virtue in the natural order. It only becomes a virtue by virtue being a by virtue of being a theological virtue, which is infused. Okay, so um, Christmas time is very much a time of hope. Our Christmas songs, a lot of them, even the secular as well as the sacred, um, have this note of hope in them. And again, if the if the world has grown old, if this world is decrepit, right? And we have this child, this child of election, the promised one who comes into the world at this time. That is the greatest hope. So it's no accident that Christmas is a sign of hope, right? I mean, it's the darkest time of the year, right? And Christ is the light. Um, And these... This is something which answers the aspirations of Jew and Gentile alike. I've quoted to you Holy Simeon. He says that uh, uh, of our Lord, he says he is the, um, let me get the words exactly right. I have the ideas in my head, but um, a light to the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. A light to the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Light and glory. Light to the Gentiles, glory to Israel. Both of these things um, 
convey the idea of, of something luminous, some, some sort of luminescence, some clarity, some, something uh, bright and glowing. Huh? And for the Gentiles, it was a light to the revelation, to their revelation. 